Yo, everybody, what's up? It's your boy Zoe, and you're here on The Last Word. It's been a good little minute since I did one of these. It's been a little minute, but, um, you know, life happens. I've been busy, and most importantly, I didn't want to make one of these, and I didn't really have anything to say. I hate watching these sports shows, and they just talk about the same thing every day. They be talk about Tom Brady or LeBron, and they just stretch out a subject to try to make episodes out of it, but really don't be saying anything. But I've been watching the NBA season for a little bit, and I feel like I got some stuff I want to say. I'm going to talk about the All-Star game, who made it, who didn't make it. I'm going to talk about the top leaders in the MVP race so far, and I'm going to finish it off with the top five teams in the NBA so far. All right, so let's get into the All-Star game. I'm going to start this by saying I don't think they should be playing the All-Star game. I mean... As a fan, I'm going to enjoy it for sure, but given the state of the world right now, it just seems dumb, seems kind of careless, and especially if they told the players that they were going to have that time off anyway, to just go back on it is just messed up. Uh, I listened to Adam Silver's little press conference, and he basically he basically blamed all the fans for why they're having the game, basically saying he's doing it for us. He just did a lot of spinning his wheels to say that the NBA needs the money. So it is what it is, so let's talk about who's in it. Um, from the West, starters, we got LeBron, Kawhi, Luka, Steph, and Jokic. No problems here. Definitely the top five players in the West based on this season's performance. Uh, the bench, we got Paul George, Chris Paul, Rudy Gobert, Donovan Mitchell, Anthony Davis, Zion, and Dame. Um Anthony Davis is going to be replaced with Devin Booker. The second time Devin Booker's made the All-Star game because someone's got hurt. Uh, Two All-Star appearances, both because of replacement. I don't know if that matters to anybody. I don't know if it matters to me. Just something I thought was interesting. Um, I will say that I feel like Devin Booker should have made it in the first place this year. I don't think Chris Paul should have been an All-Star. I get he's a veteran. He's made it a bunch of times. But this isn't a Lifetime Achievement Award. We, we're not just getting in every year just because we've been there before. I think Chris Paul didn't deserve to be an All-Star. Devin Booker should have made it originally. And on top of that, I believe De'Aaron Fox from the Sacramento Kings should have made it over Chris Paul. He's averaging 22-7. and seven. He's easily the best player on the team. And he's shooting 47% from the field. Uh, he's an elite defender at his position. I definitely think he's having a better season than Chris Paul who is averaging 18 and 9, but, I mean, that's honestly kind of regular. From the East, we got Joel Embiid, Kevin Durant, Bradley Beal, Giannis, and Kyrie starting. Again, not too many issues here. If I could change one thing, I would have James Harden starting. I am definitely cool with Kyrie making the All-Star game. He deserves it. I would probably have him coming off the bench For two main reasons. One, I feel like he's missed a decent amount of games. James Harden does not miss games. I don't think he gets enough credit for that. But he's almost LeBron-esque in the way. He doesn't get hurt. He doesn't miss games. And with the Nets coming together as the big three, I feel like James Harden has made the biggest sacrifice to make that team work. He can easily get 40 whenever he wants, but he is the de facto point guard and sacrifices a lot of shots and opportunities to make that team work. I feel like those two factors should have had him starting, but I'm okay with Kyrie starting too. 
off the bench, we got James Harden, Ben Simmons, Julius Randle, Zach Levine, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, and Nikola Vucevic. All right, and here I got a I got a few more issues than I did with the West for sure. Um, ben Simmons isn't an All Star. Like I I get it that like for I don't know if it's the Rich Paul LeBron connection that he's got going on, so he's get like these secret media backers. But Ben Simmons isn't as good as like really everyone wants him to be. Uh like he's an elite defender. For sure, I think his defense is the best part of his game. At 6'10", he's a great passer. But he he doesn't overwhelm in anything. For 6'10", he's a below-average rebounder. Everyone knows he can't shoot. But it's not even really that he just can't shoot. He doesn't really have an offensive game at all. He can't really post up. He can get out in transition and make some things happen with his athleticism. But at 6'10", is are we really that impressed by that? Like I feel like we should be able to expect that. Um Trey Young easily should have made it over him in my opinion. Uh I get that the 76ers have the best record in the East, but that is because of Joel Embiid, not Ben Simmons if we're being completely honest. Uh Trey Young's averaging 27 and 10. Uh at 510 that's incredible, really, when you think about it. He, he's shooting almost 40% from three, uh, almost 90% from the free throw line. Uh, I think easily Trey Young should have made it over Ben Simmons. I think the record helped Ben a little bit there, but the number, the stats honestly aren't comparable at all. Uh, outside of that, not too big of a complaint. Nikola Vucevic, in my opinion, shouldn't have made it. He's definitely an underrated player. I I will start off by saying that. A lot of people don't know about him because, I mean, who really watches the Magic play unless they're playing your favorite team? But, I mean, he's solid 23-11. and But in my opinion, DeMontis Sabonis, the power forward from the Indiana Pacers, should have made it. He's averaging 21-11, and which is two points fewer, but the Pacers are the fourth seed in the East. Mind you, after trading away Victor Oladipo, who was believed to be their best player, um, so twenty one and uh, twenty one and eleven, fourth seed in the East. The Orlando Magic are the twelfth seed in the East. They are not even in playoff contention. So if we're keeping the consistency about record, like if we're saying that's why Ben Simmons deserved it over Trey Young, we got to keep that same consistency and have Demontis Sabonis in this All Star game over Vucevic. Uh, yeah, that's pretty much it. I think for the most part, they got these all-stars right. Shout out Bradley Beal for making it this year. I know a lot of people felt he got snubbed last year, and now he's a starter. So shout out to him. Again, that goes into my point about the whole record thing. That's kind of why Bradley Beal didn't make it last year. The Wizards' record wasn't great. And even though it's not great now, I guess he got the nod. I just feel like Ben Simmons, he... He's more liked than he is talented, and I feel like that's making a big impact on where we see him and how we view him. It should still be a good all-star game. LeBron James and Kevin Durant are the captains. They're sticking with this whole drafting their team thing. Uh, Looking forward to seeing who's on whose team. Next, moving on, we're going to talk about the MVP candidate race. I'm going to do my top three MVP candidates. I'll start off with giving some honorable mentions. I feel like these guys are having exceptional seasons, but 
I don't see them getting any closer in this MVP race just based off of really their team's overall success. Um, Nikola Jokic, he's playing amazing. His numbers are insane. Like, my man's like second or third in the league in assists at the center position. He can get buckets. He can shoot. He can post up. He can rebound. He's not a great defender, but, you know, it is what it is. Uh, The reason I don't have him in the top three is really because of the Nuggets' overall success. They're the seventh seed. I think they're definitely underachieving. I think last year after their Cinderella run to the finals, I think I expected them, and I think a lot of people did, to take that next step to be a real championship threat, and it looks like they've regressed. Part of that for sure is the loss of uh, Jeremy Grant. He's an underrated player, and Jamal Murray has been underwhelming to say the least. I definitely expected him to take that, taking that next step to be a superstar, but it's not, and it's really hurt them. But I feel like if Jokic is looking to be a true MVP candidate, he has to take the team and elevate them above that. So I have him a little outside of my MVP radar right now. Next, Steph Curry, man. I I have been really hard on Steph Curry because I feel like. In a way, people almost forgot that he was in the league seven, eight years before this Warriors run dynasty. Maybe like six, but he was in the league for quite some time before this Warriors dynasty. And before before he got Clay and Draymond and eventually Kevin Durant and they just became unfair. Steph Curry was doing a lot of losing, man. I don't know if y'all remember that or not, but... Uh, He was drafted in 2009, didn't make the playoffs until 2013, lost in the second round, didn't make his first All-Star game till 2014 where they lost in the first round, and then in 2015 they finally broke through and won a championship, and so the Warriors dynasty begins. So for that first six years of his career... Steph Curry didn't really prove that he could carry a team the way you've seen James Harden consistently do, Dame Lillard consistently do, Russell Westbrook consistently do. Players who don't get nearly the type of accolades and respect that Steph Curry just automatically earned. But I gotta give it to him, he's played amazing this season. Averaging 30.2 points per game, that's second in the league only to Bradley Beal. 44% from the three, like like it's nothing. That's that's amazing. He's shooting it like it's nothing. 94% from the free throw line. That's best in the league. Uh, and for someone who's a pure jump shooter, gets most of their points from jump shots, shooting 50% from the field is honestly incredibly impressive, especially at his size. So Steph Curry definitely deserves a shout-out. He's having an amazing season, almost underrated to a point. Without uh, Clay Thompson, he's really playing with ancillary pieces. I mean, Kelly Oubre, I guess, is supposed to be good, but I'm not impressed. Draymond's not a scorer. Andrew Wiggins has been solid for him. He's been an elite defender this year, but, I mean, no one's confusing him with a star player. So with these guys around him, to have the Warriors, even in playoff contention, they are the eighth seed, which is why he's out of my MVP top three. But... If he can somehow get them into that 4-5 five range, I think he'll real have a real shot at being MVP, completely honest. But right now at the 8th seed, I don't really see it happening. The lowest someone's ever won MVP is the 6th seed, and Russell Westbrook had to average a triple-double to do that. So I don't really see him too much in the MVP conversation right now. 
Okay, let's get into my top three. Uh, number three, I got Damian Lillard, man. Uh, let's just start. Portland is missing CJ McCollum, Yusuf Nurkic again. I don't, I don't, I don't get what's up with him. Uh, Nasir Little and Zach Collins. They're missing two starters and two key rotational pieces. Oh, and Harry Giles the third. They're missing him too. So they're missing a lot of players that get quality minutes. Like these aren't just end of the bench guys. These guys play regularly. So without them, he has the Blazers at 18 and 13, which is six in the West. He's averaging 29 points, fourth in the league, and eight assists. He's honestly doing what Steph Curry's doing more impressively. Do I think Dame is better than Steph Curry? No, but he's carrying his team to a higher seating with, at this current point, less around him. And I just, I'm honestly just beyond impressed. I mean, we knew Dame Lillard was elite. He's been a top 10 player, but the way he's playing right now, he's making a case that he could really be in that top five elite class. And if he's able to keep the Trailblazers at this point or maybe move them ahead a little bit, uh, we might have to really start reevaluating where we see him. So I got Dame at number three. If he can get the Blazers a little higher, he could move up on this list. But right now I see him definitely below these next two people. At number two, I got LeBron James. Now, I know a lot of people feel like LeBron is leading the MVP race. But I disagree for a couple of reasons. Um, first, I don't factor the fact that LeBron is in his 18th year in his MVP case. LeBron is one of the greatest players of all time. Actually, if you check out one of my videos, I debate with my friend Max that LeBron James is in fact the greatest player of all time. So we don't need to give him these excuses like, oh, he's old and everyone else is younger, so he should win the MVP. He doesn't need these excuses to justify why he's in the MVP conversation or why he should win it. His talent and his skill level alone can speak for itself. He doesn't need assistance. And so I don't factor that in. I simply take in the facts of how he's playing, the stats he's doing, his team success, and his overall impact on the floor. With that, LeBron is averaging 25-8-8. I mean, those great numbers, but for LeBron, let's be real, it's light. He could be averaging more points. He could be averaging more assists, but I'm not going to hold it against him. Those are great numbers, 25, 8, and 8. The Lakers are 22 and 12 in their third in the West. Now, in my opinion, just my opinion, the Lakers are definitely underachieving. They're the defending. Now, some of you listening are thinking right now, oh, well, they haven't had Anthony Davis and Dennis Schroeder's been out. Well, yeah, that's kind of precisely my point. If LeBron is supposed to be the MVP, he's supposed to be the best player in the league, he should be elevating his team to stay consistent and be able to at least be the second seed. I get that the Jazz are having an out-of-world type season right now, uh, but they should at least be able to be better than the Clippers, who have had Kawhi and Paul George in and out of the lineup themselves, along with Patrick Beverly. So I can't really give him the excuse of not having his co-star, the Lakers have lost five of their last six games. Games. Now, LeBron, if you're arguing that he should be the MVP, 
He has to be the most valuable player on the court. Without Anthony Davis, the Lakers are 1-5. Now, I'm not saying Anthony Davis is better than LeBron, but I am saying that innately without him, he seems to have a big impact on whether they win or lose. Almost so that you could say it mirrors LeBron James' impact. Now, LeBron James hasn't missed any games this season. That is impressive, and I'll even give you the caveat, it's his 18th, 18th season. That is very impressive that he's played every game. But given that he's played every game, the Lakers should be have a better record than they do. 22-12 and 12 is not impressive, especially they've, with them losing five of their last six. And in those losses have included a loss to Denver, a team they beat last year. Uh, I'll accept the loss to the Nets. The Nets are an elite team. But keep in mind, the Nets did not have Kevin Durant, their best player, themselves. And that was a pretty bad loss. They lost to the Washington Wizards in overtime, who are an 11-win team. They lost to the Miami Heat, who are struggling. They're not in the playoff picture in the East either. And just most recently, they got dog-walked by the Utah Jazz. So they've looked really unimpressive with LeBron James, who is supposed to be the best player in the NBA. Uh, In the game against the Wizards, He had an and one and a free throw to potentially win the game in regulation, and he missed. Now, I'm not going to nitpick his free throw shooting, but in in a last-second moment, you have to be able to close out a struggling team like the Wizards, who, again, I point out, only have 11 wins on the season. Uh, In my opinion, LeBron James is definitely still in the MVP race completely. He could still win it. I'm actually going to preface this with saying LeBron James probably will win the MVP, That's also because narrative and storylines has a lot to do with who wins the award, not just stats and team success. So right now I got LeBron James second. I think he could move up on this list, but the Lakers are going to have to start winning some games and I'm not giving him the excuse of not having Anthony Davis because because neither of the other two players on this list have anyone on their team close to the caliber of Anthony Davis in the first place. At number one on my MVP radar, I got Joel Embiid. Joel Embiid, I know a big man hasn't won MVP since Shaq, and especially because the game is so guard-driven now where the the ball handler, the guard pretty much dominates the game at all times. But Joel Embiid is averaging 30 points, 11 rebounds, and three assists, which is solid from your big man. He has the 76ers with the number one record in the East at 21-11. That is better than the Milwaukee Bucks, who have had the best record in the league the past two years, and the Brooklyn Nets, who have Kevin Durant, James Harden, and Kyrie Irving. So take that for what it's will. I, for what you will. I will say that the Nets have had players in and out of the lineup, but to have them at number one in a much improved Eastern Conference, to me, is very impressive. Now, some people will argue that Joel Embiid shouldn't be won just because he's missed six games and someone like LeBron has missed none. Uh, I will say if you want to hold the games he's missed against him, that's fine, but you also have to take in consideration how that can also help his MVP case. Now, six games isn't a whole lot of games to miss, and we'll have to monitor how many he misses for the rest of the season. But let's look at those six games. In the six games Joel Embiid hasn't played, the 76ers are 1-5. One, one win, 
and five losses. That would show you that Joel Joel Embiid is pretty valuable to whether the 76ers win or lose, wouldn't you say? It seems that when he doesn't play, they almost never win. One in five, that is almost Anthony Davis-like impact on a team's record. But, I mean, I'll leave that there. Joel Embiid shooting 52% from the field. Uh, You may argue that because he's a big man, he's going to have a higher percentage. A lot of his points are going to come at or around the rim. Fine, you can have that. But you also have to factor in that Joel Embiid shoots 40% from three. 40% from three, just to paint a picture for you, that's better shooting from three than Damian Lillard, Devin Booker, Chris Paul. These are these are knockdown snipers. These are knockdown snipers. And you got a seven foot one center shooting 40% from three. And don't give me attempts because he's taken he's taken almost three a game. That's insane when you think about it. And he's shooting 85% from the free throw line. My man is almost in the 50-40-90 club as a center. But his stats are really just crazy. Again, the 76ers are the number one record in the East. And in my opinion right now, Joel Embiid is leading the MVP race. All right. So last, I'm going to give you my top five teams in the NBA so far. I'm going to give an honorable mention to the Utah Jazz. Yes, the Utah Jazz have like six losses. They're like 28 and six or something crazy like that. Yes, they have the best record in the league by far, but no, they are not in my top five teams. Donovan Mitchell is exceptional, but not as exceptional as the team record may have you to believe. He's only averaging 22 points per game. He plays in a solid system that helps him to thrive even when he doesn't have it going. Rudy Gobert, he's a great defender, can rim protect, but he's not great either. The NBA is a star league. It's driven by stars. It's driven by individual talents. I don't believe that the Utah Jazz have enough pure talent to win in the playoffs or go deep in the playoffs. Uh, Right now, they're shooting exceptional from three. They're like basically breaking their franchise record in threes every game. That will not last, especially in the playoffs, especially if there's fans in the playoffs. Rotational players will come back to the mean. They'll miss more shots. They'll start, the rim will start looking smaller to them. They will start playing more normal for them. I don't believe that the Jazz are a top five team. Though they are playing incredible right now, they'll get an honorable mention. So at number five, I got the Phoenix Suns. Now, I know I said earlier that Chris Paul didn't deserve to make the All-Star game, and I stand by that, but he has brought a leadership and a veteran presence to the Phoenix Suns that give them the mentality like, we should win. When teams have been bad for so many years, they don't expect to win, and losing begins to not phase them. Chris Paul has brought a mentality that they should win, that they should be competitive, and that they can play with anybody. He has played pretty well himself. He's given... He's taken the ball out of Devin Booker's hands as a playmaker and has allowed Devin Booker to do what he does best, and that's just flat-out get buckets, and he's been doing that. 
They got role players on there. They got uh, Saric. They got Miles Bridges. Those guys can play defense. They can rebound. They can shoot the three. They do the little things. DeAndre Ayton is coming along as a center. He's still not where I want him to be. He needs to rebound better. He needs to rim protect better. But he has good hands. He plays the pick and roll game good. And he can score around the rim and has a little bit of a jump shot on him. The Suns play both ends of the floor, and with a leader like Chris Paul that can control the tempo of the game and someone who can close you out and drop literally 70 points if he needs to in Devin Booker, they they definitely are a threat at the title and a threat in the West. I got the Phoenix Suns at number five. At number four, I got the Philadelphia 76ers. Uh, again, like I said, Joel Embiid, he's my MVP candidate so far. He's a beast. He's unstoppable. He's too big, too strong for everybody in the post. He can stretch the floor. And Joel Embiid is actually a very good defender, an underrated part of his game, I feel. Uh, they got a, the pickup at Seth Curry added some much-needed three-point shooting that the 76ers really needed. They cleared out some space with Horford and Josh Richardson, and I feel like that's opened up more opportunities for someone like Tobias Harris, who's really playing like the way they envisioned him to play when they initially got him from the Clippers. He's getting more shots. He's being more confident and more assertive in the offense. And Ben Simmons, even though I feel like he shouldn't have made the All-Star game, instead should have been Trey Young, he is an elite defender. He will take the best player on the opposite end one through four, and he will make them work for everything they get. And he can get out in transition and make some things happen on the fast break that can help them get some easy buckets. With that, with Doc Rivers now running the offense exclusively through Joel Embiid, I feel like the hierarchy of whose team is it, being Joel Embiid or Ben Simmons, has officially been put to rest, and I feel like that's helped the team play more consistently. Ben Simmons is going to get his opportunities. Tobias is going to get his opportunities. But they live and die by Joel Embiid. And I feel like finding that culture and that balance has really helped take them to the next level. I definitely think the 76ers are a threat at the title. At number three, I got the Los Angeles Clippers. They look better than last year. Now, Montrezl Harrell is a great player, but it looks like Removing him was a bit of an addition by subtraction. Serge Ibaka, he can protect the rim. He can shoot the three. It looks like Kawhi and PG are finding the balance of your turn, my turn. And it looks like all the players are just getting more used to playing with each other. They said they needed time. They needed chemistry. They never got the reps together. And it looks like they're getting that. Lou Williams has been struggling a bit, but he's a pro's pro. I expect him to bounce back and be ready by playoff time. Uh, Patrick Beverly's been in and out of the lineup, but you know he's not. They don't need him too much on offense. You know he's going to be an irritant. He's going to get someone mad. He's going to get a tech or two, but he's going to bring the intensity they need from him on defense. Nicholas Batum has been pretty much forgotten. He's not exceptional by any means, but he's a good glue guy. He can play make and take the ball out of Kawhi's hands, so he doesn't have to do it all the time. He can hit three. He can defend, and he has good size. He can rebound. And it looked added in any incredible pieces, like any real star talent. But it looks like just the camaraderie that they have together looks a little different from last year. I definitely would consider the Clippers a threat. And I got them at number three. At number two, I got the Brooklyn Nets. Now, 
the Nets can score 140 points relatively easy in any given game. They got Kevin Durant. They got James Harden, Kyrie. Any of those guys can go get you 40. Any of those guys can get you 40 on the same night that another one gets 40. Their offense is unstoppable. Joe Harris isn't going to miss too many threes. They got DeAndre Jordan. He's going to block some shots. He's going to catch a couple lobs, a couple dunks. Um, They got a guy, Bruce Brown. He's a good glue guy. He gets his P.J. Tucker buckets. He can shoot the three a little bit. He's going to slash. He's going to rebound. He's going to defend. Jeff Green, he's a good veteran. He gives them a good presence. He's also going to defend. He can shoot the three a little bit. The Nets do not play defense well. That is me being generous. Their defense is terrible. It is absolutely terrible. In any given game, the Nets are going to give up at least 30 points to someone on the opposite team. It doesn't matter who it is. At least one player on the opposite team will have a 30-piece. That is going to be a problem as they progress in the playoffs. Now, it's not going to be too much of a problem in the early rounds or throughout the regular season because, again, they can just outscore you, and that's what they've been doing for the most part. They can just outscore most teams. But outside of the big three and Joe Harris, who's going to hit his threes, they do not have any sort of reliable offense. DeAndre Jordan's not going to be scoring... Uh, Jeff Green, he can score, but it's not reliable by any means. Landry Shamit's definitely hit or miss. Like The guys they have around them are not going to provide consistent offense. And if you're not going to provide consistent offense and you're not going to provide consistent defense, that's, that's a recipe for getting beat. Now, they have enough talent to compete with anybody on any given night. And it may not come back to burn them because they are, like I say, a top two team in the league. But they're going to need to step up their defense at least a little bit to compete with the team I feel is the best team in the NBA. And the best team in the NBA are the Los Angeles Lakers. I mean, they have LeBron James and Anthony Davis, two of the best players in the league by anybody's definition. Uh, The Lakers, when healthy, are the best defensive team in the league, period. They got guys that will lock you down. We saw it in the playoffs last year. Caldwell Pope and Alex Caruso were playing lockdown defense on Dame, CJ, Jamal Murray, uh, even James Harden and Westbrook to a lesser degree. They were playing elite defense. LeBron LeBron James can play defense in spots. He picks his moments, but he can be locked down when he needs to be. Anthony Davis, in my opinion, is the the second best big man defender in the league behind, I guess, Rudy Gobert. But Anthony Davis is more versatile, and he can guard essentially one through five. He, he has quick feet, good lateral quickness, and he can protect the rim. Uh, Dennis Schroeder, he's a great on-ball defender at the point guard position. Just... And, and Kyle Kuzma is even a much improved wing defender. The Lakers are easily the best defensive team in the league. And with players like LeBron and AD, they can score with anybody. If they're hitting threes, it's pretty much a wrap for anyone they play because of their elite defensive side. Right now, they're struggling. When Anthony Davis and Dennis Schroeder come back, I expect that to change. I'm not too worried about their losing Five out of six games, that only is relevant in the case of LeBron James winning MVP or not. 
But as far as worried about the Lakers, the Lakers are still the best team in the league. They're the defending champs. And I have not seen anything from any team, including the Brooklyn Nets, that they could beat the Lakers in four out of seven games. Unless something changes, unless these teams make that next step, I still got the Lakers as the best team in the league and the favorites right now to win the 2021 NBA championship. All right, man. Thanks for sticking with me. It feels good to be back doing this. I'm going to be trying to make an episode, at least one episode per week. I'm going to try to definitely be more consistent about this now. I'm back in the groove. Uh, Let me know what y'all think. Let me know what you thought about the All-Stars, who should have made it, who, who you are glad made it. Let me know who you think is the MVP. Let me know who you think is the best team in the league. Uh, tell me what you thought. Uh, follow me on Instagram at Call Me Big Zoe. Uh, this has been the last word, and I'll show.